gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece and pieces Bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left Yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my Afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. My co-host today is Patricia Negron, my partner in taking down the Global Pedophile Network. Trish now has a daily newscast on at noon every day on Facebook Live. It is the best newscast out there, and I encourage people to tune in every day with me. It, she has the latest news every day on that newscast. Our special guest today is Kevin Annette the man behind the global movement to end child trafficking and child torture and to de-establish the genocidal churches and governments. He's an award-winning film author and he's an award-winning filmmaker and author who works with victims of church violence and genocide all over the world. Kevin co-founded the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State and he co-founded the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels. The Common Law Court has brought two cases against the Vatican, the Crown of England, Canada, and its churches for crimes of genocide, child sacrifice, and trafficking, and it successfully convicted all of the defendants for crimes against humanity. In his two latest books, Unrelenting and Murder by Degree, Kevin traces the origins of genocide in Canada and globally, and he found that all roads lead back to the Vatican. Kevin was a Nobel Prize winner, nominee in 2013, 2014, and 2015. I had the pleasure of interviewing Kevin back in 2016 on Focus on the Facts. Let's bring him on now and get the latest details on his efforts and progress in this war to end this child trafficking and sacrifice. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Evelyn, thanks for having me again. Oh, absolutely. And Trish, are you there? I am. Hi, Kevin. It's nice to meet you. Hi, Trish. Well, where do you want to start, Kevin? <laughs> um, I, I put your interview that I did in 2016 out this week for people to listen to. You are such an expert in this field. And like I said, Trish is my partner in crime and taking down the global pedophile network. And I'll tell you what, you are one of the leaders in this battle. So where are you at today? Well, I can tell you generally uh, something of uh, importance from a news point of view is on April 15th, there's a really a global campaign beginning. Uh, it's called Operation Atonement. It came out of Europe. It actually began after the successful conviction of Joseph Ratzinger, uh, you know, forcing him to step down, uh, former Pope Benedict. And people in Europe especially realize the power of these common law verdicts. So what that is, is we recognize the courts, the existing governments are very complicit in a lot of these, well, you know, the, the crimes against children is really a, a subset of the bigger issue of genocide and human trafficking, which of course is a global crime. It, it involves tens of millions of people every year. And the power of these verdicts that, that come out of citizen tribunals is that any court in the world can issue an arrest warrant and you know, based on these verdicts. People often say, well, what power do you have to bring down the Pope or, or any of these people who are involved in these crimes? The reality is, is that 
the reason Joseph Ratzinger stepped down is six days before his resignation. On February 6, 2013, the Spanish government had issued a diplomatic note to the Vatican saying that uh, they intended to issue an arrest warrant against Ratzinger if he came on Spanish soil based on the material that's seen in our indictment, that he was directly involved in not just covering up crimes against children, but instructing priests all over the world uh, to enact something that's called crimen solicitanus, which is a policy he helped to bring in. Uh, which basically says every Catholic in the world has to cover up child abuse when it happens. The child is to be sons, the police are not to be told. That's a global criminal conspiracy. And on that basis, he stepped down. Now, you know, it shows you the power of these verdicts and that on any issue, not just about child abuse, but on anything, when the government and the courts are complicit in the crimes, citizens have the right to, to bring in these very powerful verdicts. And so, Based on all of that, this Operation Atonement on April 15th is, is uh, lo- being launched. What it is, is on many levels, it's asking people, first of all, to boycott these these criminal churches. That includes the Catholic Church, the Church of England, in Canada, the United Church, the Episcopalians and the Catholics in America. Those who are directly have been not only complicit, but have been found uh, guilty in these common law courts. And there have been arrest warrants issued in that against their top leaders, asking the police and others to be involved in enforcing these verdicts. But also on a wider level, there'll be a campaign to get the governments to nullify the tax exemptions of these criminal bodies, of investigating insurance companies that are underwriting these criminal activities. Like we know, for example, uh, HSBC and J.P. Morgan Bank are heavily involved in the drug trade, in in laundering money for the drug cartels in Mexico, Latin America, all over the world. Part of the drug trafficking involves human trafficking. So we see the same banks are involved with the underworld, uh, the mafia, they're called Drangheta in Europe. They actually provide children for many of these rituals and the the child trafficking network. So going after the money, the, the money behind these crimes, that's part of the whole idea of Operation Atonement. So it's happening in at least nine countries. We're asking people to get on board with that, to share the information and take action in your community. And uh, you, people can read more about that at the tribunal, the International Tribunal of Crimes and Church of State website. It's itccs.org. Yeah, that, that sounds like a very, very good idea. And that bit about hitting them where the, in the money, I mean, that's what keeps, that's what keeps them going, right? Yeah, very much. Well, it, it isn't only the, the money they get uh, through not having to pay taxes as, as religious bodies, but it's a, uh, not a very well-known fact that in over 100 countries in the world have agreements with the Vatican Bank. They're, they're called financial concordats, and a concordat is any treaty between a government and the Vatican. The first uh, concordat was between the Vatican and Adolf Hitler in 1933, uh, that where the Vatican was actually the first power to recognize the, Hitler's new government. Um, and these financial concordats actually channel taxpayers' money directly into the Vatican Bank. We know that these concordats exist in the United States. Uh, the thing is, if you talk to your senator or congressman about it, they probably won't know about it because they're secret arrangements. And it's something that Americans need to know, especially because uh, we know that in America, uh, it's the only country in the world where the Catholic Church publishes financial records. And we know that, for example, in 2013, uh, of the $14 billion raised by the Catholic Church in America, only half of 1% of that went into charity. 
And that's a violation of their tax exemption under the law because all of their revenue is supposed to go towards either the advancement of religion or charitable purposes. And we know that, on the contrary, the Vatican uses their money, Catholic Church uses their money uh, in the arms trade, uh, big pharma. The biggest small arms company in the world, uh, Beretta Limited, is 100% owned by the Vatican. They're into landmines, uh, child porn companies. I mean, yeah, it, it was, it's a very just, dirty operation. Yeah. Yeah, it was just read, I was reading a, um, a speech that you gave, and that you had listed, and you said that even dozens of online Internet porn companies are invested in. We, f- <laughs> we found that. Yeah, that's right. That there's uh, one of the people who works with us is a former. Uh, FBI uh, hacker. He was hired by the right out of high school by the FBI. He was working out of Florida, and he discovered that uh, the there were two online child porn companies that he traced. He followed their signature, the computer signature, and found they were connected to the archdiocese of Tampa, Florida. Um, and the Catholic Church then came down on him very heavily, threatened him. The FBI, you know, cut loose from him, and. Um, he was on his own after that. But, th- you know, th- this is stuff that uh, anybody who stumbles across it suddenly faces the full weight of church and state, you know. Yeah. So, Kevin, is the, how, so does the church own these investments directly then, are you saying? The Vatican no, it's, it's done through, uh, they, they own it. It's Vatican Bank money behind it, and they're profiting from it. But it's various shell companies and, and front corporations that they operate through. Uh, it's a very extensive network. I found that when I was first going head-to-toe with the United Church, and when they fired and defrocked me, that uh, the power in these churches is broken up. So uh, it can't be traced. It's like in any criminal body, like the mafia. There's right. different levels of buffering uh, going on. And they have levels of, of buffer. Uh, where you can't really trace it directly to the church officers unless you're an insider. And we've been getting this information from people on the inside. So, um, yeah, it, it's a very, um, you know, relatively secret operation. For example, the Vatican <laughs> Bank is the only bank in the world where they don't, it can't be audited. It, it, it doesn't issue financial statements. Nobody can audit it. It operates behind closed doors. It's a power unto itself, like the Catholic Church as a whole. Right. Well, speaking, uh, I don't know if there's a tie here, but just in the last 24 hours, news started popping up that the Rothschilds are selling one of their historic properties. And I wonder, there, I saw information that suggested that this was the property where these hunting parties used to take, or they probably still do, for all I know, um, the hunting parties with the children. Uh, occurred. Do you know about those or, or that property? I, I hadn't heard that news item about the Rothschild selling it. it. It wouldn't surprise me because you see, because of the work we've been doing and, and others, uh, the, the light is being shone on these activities more. So the, the first thing these people do is divest themselves from any right. obvious connection, politically, economically, you know, and they just move it elsewhere. But right. um, definitely when uh, last year in April, uh, one of the uh, action groups connected to our, our uh, tribunal in Europe was actually able to disrupt several of the ceremonies in the, the Ninth Circle, which is cent- the centuries-old Catholic child sacrificial network. And um, part of that were the human hunting parties in which the, two of our uh, eyewitnesses, their statements are online at itccs.org. Uh, Anne-Marie von Bienberg was present at one of these hunting parties 
uh, where basically they were provided children. This took place in, in the woods outside Brussels. And uh, they were uh, provided children through Queen Beatrix, uh, right. authorizing the palace to take these children apparently as um, uh, to work on the grounds of the palace. These, these, these were children ranging in age from 8 up to 15. And they took them out and used them. They stripped them naked and they ran in the field and they hunted them down and killed them. And uh, did some other gruesome things uh, to them after that. But um, this is a fairly well-known practice among the elites. And you hear reference to it. There was one of the politicians in Belgium um, tried raising this in the in the Belgian uh, parliament. And he was thrown out and faces criminal prosecution. Um, wow. Laurent Louis well, was know. his name. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's fairly well-known. I, I wonder, too, you know, along those lines, that the Las Vegas shooting, I don't know if you're at all familiar with it, but I have, I've seen evidence that suggests there was a billionaire involved who was one of the shooters, and likely they were picking, it was a hunting event for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. because the other thing that happened, I, I apologize, I'll... I want to get back to your thing, but I think this is all tied together. Oh, that's good. Um, because the FBI shut down a body parts broker um, not far from Las Vegas in the days following the Las Vegas shooting. And we think the bodies, they were doing these kinds of events, and the bodies were getting shipped to this broker to be rendered. And then they would, they would make a couple hundred grand off of selling the body parts. Right. Well, that's, you know, that that wouldn't at all surprise me because the whole uh, news story around the shooting was their typical uh, black ops spin um, operation where (laughs) it's designed to distract away from the real direction. And that's a professional operation when it's done that way. So right there, you know, it's it's intelligence agencies doing it. And um, here's another example. The in the northwest uh, uh, area of North America, like we're talking Washington, British Columbia, like the Pacific Coast in that area. Heavy area for human trafficking and organ trafficking. Um, there was, there's hundreds of Aboriginal women that have gone missing that in that area. And what the newspapers never published, but which were, our network has proven conclusively, is that often these bodies are missing organs. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police who are involved in this trafficking uh, have concealed it so much, that um, the Chinese are involved heavily. Uh, it, it's interesting, the, uh, there was an act brought in in Canada two years ago called the Protection of Foreign Investment Act, and it allows Chinese, the Chinese government to station troops on Canadian soil to protect their investments. It's, China is the largest investor now in, in Canadian resources, mines and, and resources, and they need the Indians off the land the way the British used to in right. Canada. And so they yeah. hire death squads to do that. And that's why so many Native families go missing. So that's one example of wow. the money behind these human disappearances, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. That's well, that's incredible. What I in- talked about in taking down this global pedophile network, it's underlying everything. Yeah. The pedophile. Yeah. It sure is. You know, well, you know, there's a, a bigger reason, of, of course, if you're an elite and you want to rule over a majority of people, you have to terrorize and traumatize them. And that's essentially how they rule, through fear. And right. um, you do that by, by traumatizing people at a young age. 
either by doing it to you as a child or threatening your own children. We often see this on Indian reservations where people who speak out against the government-run uh, chiefs who are signing away the resources and land, they soon will see their children getting grabbed by, by the social services and that and then trafficked and disappeared. And that's one of the ways you know that you control a population through it. So there's, it's big money, it's resources, it's, it, there's all sorts of reasons here. Yeah. yeah, and it's terrifying in the United States now because Child Protective Services is involved in all this, you know, that people can't call them or call the cops. I mean, they're all involved in no. this. Yeah, no, they, like, less no, that's than, why I, I think 1% of, no. uh, sorry, um, I think or less than 5% anyway of children removed by um, Child Protective Services go to a relative. 95% or more go to a stranger. Right. And they're yeah, usually that, a right. pedophile you know, in, or a child porn producer of some kind. Oh, yeah. The odds of these were statistics out of America a few years ago, but the odds of being harmed as a child are 600 times more likely in foster care than even in, you know, a family that's experienced family violence. So um, right. it, it's an organized system. To give you an example, I got a call from some people in Ireland this last week. And um, this one mother has had her kids taken and are being trafficked into the home of known child abusers. And one of the reasons is, is she had the temerity to get up in court and, and name this agency TUSLA, T-U-S-L-A. Now, this is the private corporation that the Irish government allows to run foster care in Ireland. Their, their budget is three quarters of a billion euros. And they're an offshore wow. corporation. They're based in, in America, TUSLA. And they, they traffic children for profit. You're not allowed to mention TUSLA in the Irish media. If you mention them in court, you're immediately targeted and, and jailed or your children taken. So this is an example, and there's similar agencies all over America, uh, all over the world, really. It, yeah. It's uh, the, the trafficking in arms, in, in human beings, and in drugs are the three major industries that, that are all interconnected. Right. Well, well, Timothy Homestead, do you know him? He just recently came forward um, after there was a judgment in December um, that vacated a previous judgment and acknowledged the existence of this child traffic networking network, excuse me, here in the United States, and that it was being protected by officials, and we know it's being run by the CIA. Um, and then the FBI right. has been worked, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of, it seems they've been folded into the whole operation. But it really leaves you wondering where you even begin to um, root this out, you know? Well, the CIA well, what you do is you recognize that for every honest person in the system, there's one or two who aren't. And so it's not possible, and I've had you know, this experience so many times where you're trying to work and you get so far and then it's shut down. Yeah. Uh, the investigator is dismissed, moved around, the evidence disappears. You can't operate in the system. That's why we began yeah. this uh, common law court movement where the citizens convene their own courts, they elect their own citizen sheriffs or deputize the existing police to work as, as uh, agents of the court. And you, you create an alternative system. It's kind of like uh, what America, early uh, before the, the, the first shot was fired in the American Revolution, it's interesting that in New England, a lot of the people went around and the first thing they did is they, they shut down the crown courts. They burned up the mortgage deeds and drove the crown uh, 
uh, judge out of town because they realized you couldn't operate in the British courts. You needed your own uh, your own legal system, and the Irish did that too in their War of Independence, right? Um, so you need these uh, these citizen-based, citizen-run bodies that can monitor their communities, uh, protect themselves. In America, you're you're ideally suited to do that because um, you, of your sheriffs. Uh, you're they're elected by the community; they're not answerable directly to the feds. And oh, in the Kamala workshops that people in America who are connected to our, our movement, the ones they've been setting up, the first thing they do is they go to the local county sheriffs and invite them to the workshop and say, you know, you've got to learn about common law uh, and how it's not the same as statute law that the government brings in, uh, which even the U.S. Supreme Court time and again has said a statute brought in by the government has no uh, power, no enforceability without the consent of the citizens. So in other words, if you don't agree to a, a statute that the government brought in, it has no authority over you. It doesn't have any, any binding power. And that's something that Americans need to know. And they can take action in their community to reverse that. I am so glad you said that because I have this um, daily program that Evelyn mentioned that I'm doing with someone who is also very passionate about this issue, Albert Bashai. And we've been searching for a mechanism by which we can build a community to tackle this. And I yeah. think what you've described is exactly the kind of tool that we need to empower ourselves to, you know, stand up and say, okay, that it time's up, you're done. <laughs> We're putting right. it into well, this you know- right now. <laughs> We can do that very easily. Uh, we've shown that it works. I mean, if we can force the Pope to resign, the the power there means it has even greater power at a local level. And we can, if you send me your emails and that offline, we can send you copies of our common law training manual. Um, you can find it at Amazon.com. Just stick in my name, Kevin Annett, and it'll. it's called uh, Restoring the Reign of Natural Liberty, uh, a common law training manual. It gives you all the steps of, of uh, what a common law court is, it, uh, the long tradition going back a thousand years to England about the, the, the right of citizens to, to convene these courts and the, the 12 steps involved in setting up a court and how you enforce its verdict, which is, you know, the important thing. Uh, how, we, how do we make this the law and, and the power in our community? So we'll be happy to send you that, Trish. And, uh, oh, you, like. I would be all over that if you were to send it to me. I think we can... I I know we could get something going. I know so many thousands and thousands of people who would be thrilled to try and make something like that work because we're we're not going to sit here any longer. We are we know that the system, like you said, the courts cannot deal with this. We've seen that, and I appreciate what Trump is doing to try and root some of this out from his position, but he can only go so far. And the bottom line is we have to take control again. We have to take the reins away from these people. And the only way we're going to do it is if we stand up in very large numbers and say very definitively, enough. And and if we have a mechanism like what you've described, I see something genuinely revolutionary happening um, based on the passion that I see around this. So I'm very thrilled to be this. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. It, the, the funny you know, thing is about this is me, that in Canada, if you say that, in Canada, if you say in Canada, if you use the word revolution, you're considered a traitor and you're thrown in jail. In America, 
and when you use it, people say, well, yeah, that's our roots. You know, that's where we yeah. came from. Yeah. So it, it's, um, yeah, much it's powerful. very possible it's, in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Kevin's the guy that has this plan set out, and yes, and we can use it. And the thing is, you know, Trish and I always talk, you know, the, the trolls, how everybody, you know, slams the truth tellers. And, and I'll tell you, there is nobody out there, I don't think, that has more trolls attacking him than Kevin Trish. I'm telling you. I believe it. Oh. It, and well, I think what you said one time, Kevin, that your greatest accomplishment or something in all these years of doing this was staying alive. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe I mean, that. I believe that. Did you, there was a helicopter crash. Did you see um, just the other day? There's been a brownstone operation uncovered at the Standard Hotel, which is in California. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Adam Schiff. He's a he's a representative in Congress who's been um, obstructing every which way uh, this administration. And it turns out he's been protecting this brownstone operation, which the one of the co-founders, a general manager, and the regional finance director were all killed in the same helicopter crash just the other day. Mm-hmm. And just as all of this is heating up, I mean, there, there, and, and there, it is not a coincidence. You could not have gotten all three of them in one place, and, and they had them going to mm-hmm. some surprise meeting, something unexpected, and that's when they set them up. It's incredible what these people will do. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give uh, another example from America, because I know a lot of your listeners are in the States. Um, there's a, a real important battle happening right now in Pennsylvania. The, the citizens of Grant Township, that's in Indiana County. I got contacted two years ago. There was an article in Rolling Stone about this. It's an amazing thing they're doing there. Um, this Pennsylvania General Energy Company announced that they were going to dump toxic waste from fracking on their land in Grant Township. And this is a small little farming community. Um, the, the, the people there, there's only 700 of them. They're both Republican and Democrat all over the map politically. But they all united because... Um, they, they looked in the bylaws of the, the Pennsylvania state government, and it said citizens have the right to home rule. That is, they have the right of self-government. That's the basis of the American Republic, is that people have the right to govern themselves. You know, not a king, not a pope, not any ruler over them. They can govern themselves. So Grand Township brought in a home rule charter, and they said, we are taking back authority – we're telling this PGE to get off our land. No, you can't poison our land. And we're authorizing our citizens to use nonviolent civil disobedience to stop this. Now they are facing a major assault from the company, from uh, the state government, the state courts. They're going after them because it's a typical David and Goliath thing of citizens saying, this is our decision to govern ourselves locally. And big money, big government, they're all saying, right. no, you don't have the right to govern yourself. And um, we've covered this story. If, if I do a blog radio show called Here We Stand. And if you go to bbsradio.com and then slash Here We Stand, that's one word, you'll see all of our archived shows. And on there, you'll see several references to the um, Grand Township struggle, uh, Judy Wenchison and other people from that community. I'm going to have them on again. But that's an example of what we're talking about, using common law to establish your own self-governance. And I think that's the answer for all of the problems we're talking about, people taking back their own power. Yeah. And if we could do it, you know, rather than leaving a single community to do it by themselves one at a time, if we're 
able to organize in that way across, you know, dozens, maybe hundreds of communities at the same time, it makes it harder for them to fight back. And, I, you know, we can really, I would imagine, make some progress, um, especially to get momentum behind it. You've got to do that. Uh, yeah. there, there's a group that's actually helping them do that, a community environmental legal defense uh, project. And they go around in the communities, and they're, non, they're, they're not politically partisan. They work with every group they can, but they, they say, uh, here's how you can do it. It, it. Their methods are really similar to what we do, where you go in and you empower people to take action for themselves because you know people right. are their best experts. You don't need somebody coming and telling you what the truth is. You know what it is. You just need the right tools. And um, and so that's what we try to do. That sounds fantastic. What is the name of that group again? The environmental group. Uh, convi- uh, Community Environmental uh, Legal Defense Fund (CELDF). You'll see a, a website if you put it in. They're based in Pennsylvania, and they operate okay. now in like six or seven states. They go around and just hold workshops to empower people to to bring in these home rule charters. To say, you know, we the people um, are are governing ourselves in this community, right. and linking up, like you say, Trish, linking up other communities, so it's we have that power in, in the numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's we do have that. I mean, we really do have the numbers. Wouldn't you say, Evelyn? At this point, yeah, I'd say so. Right, that uh, yep. we could we could do this differently. And and Kevin will send send you um, that information. Yeah, just send yeah. me your email. We'll send it to you, or uh, yeah, we'll get it all to you. You know, tell, tell um, people how many name off the people that were found guilty in the in the trial that you've held with your court, the Pope and well, there was the I, I I call them the dirty thirty. There were thirty defendants in the first trial. Uh, this was convened in um, in the summer of 2012 in Brussels. And it was based on, you know, one of the reasons that court case happened so effectively is we had tons of evidence. And when you're doing your own common law court, that's the first thing you need. You need the hard evidence to hold up in a court. Um, and from my years of work in Canada, looking into these crimes of genocide, it was clear. I mean, we didn't, the evidence spoke for itself. And so the the, the defendants included the Queen of England, uh, Pope Benedict, the Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper, the heads of these churches, and also various corporations that were profiting off stolen native land, uh, summonses were issued to all of these people, and none of them ever responded, which is under the law when, when it's a win-win for us, because if they respond, they're recognizing the authority of our court. If they don't respond, they're admitting they're guilty, because if you don't contest something, a claim made against you publicly, your silence is means you're consenting to what's being said. It's 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 uh, it, it normally in a court a judge can immediately rule against them if they don't come to defend themselves, and so it, you know if if somebody called you a child killer and you didn't dispute it, you're saying mm-hmm. yeah, it's true, um, and and it's funny because I've never been sued by anybody, which you think they right. would if they had any evidence disproving what we're saying, right? Well, that, well that's, that's what I always say, Kevin, on this show that. That I said, you know, I've had this show for over two years, and I said, and every one of them, I'm calling out the pedophiles by name. And I said, uh, don't you think that one of them by now would have sued me, saying this every week, you know, calling Hillary a pedophile? Yep. You know, I said, yep. uh, for me, 
if anybody ever said that I committed such the most horrendous crime on this earth, as far as I'm concerned, raping or sodomizing a child, I'd sue them the next day for saying such a horrible thing about me. Yeah. That it wasn't yeah, true. Yeah, that's no. a serious accusation. You'd think somebody wouldn't take lightly if it weren't true. Right. Yeah. Right. There's no question. Yeah. And even through all of the Pizzagate stuff, they never once contested the, the truth of it. No, no. They don't even bother. They're so blatant now. They don't even care. They do this right out in the open, and they don't even care. And Washington's the worst. I said, the most children in this country go missing in Washington, in the Washington, D.C. area. And I said, a while back, the cops told the cops told parents to keep your kids inside. They can't protect you from the pedophiles. In Washington, D.C. Oh, that's pretty that means poli- that means politically that's their way of yeah. saying politically their hands are tied because their bosses are telling them to back off. Well, yeah, because right. they're all involved in it. Yeah, you know, in our capital of the country. Well, in 2013, um, as recently as 2013, Chuck Todd, who's a very mainstream um, talking head, did a report on the the State Department under Hillary Clinton covering up a um, child trafficking investigation. And her concerns were, quote, you know, uh, saving jobs and um, sparing people embarrassment. And it got swept under the rug. And, and according to this report, it reached the highest levels. And we know that diplomats were involved and um, they did nothing, nothing whatsoever. No. And we see well, there's a, you know, they're set up for go child ahead, trafficking. Sorry. I said, all yeah. these U.S. embassies all over the world, they're set up for child trafficking and trafficking right. on drugs and all of it. A lot of the well, the CIA even admitted that. In, uh, there was a, a newspaper in Washington called Rock Creek Free Press, and I remember in 2007, they published an article where the CIA admitted that they had been running child brothels in Bangkok since the time of the Vietnam War. To, to trap visiting U.S. senators and politicians, you know? Uh, right, you blackmail right. them with this film and um, control them politically. And, th- you know, intelligence agencies do that all over the world. But um, the, the thing about uh, um, when, you're, when you're in a position of power, it, like in any corporate structure, whether it's government, military, churches, you know, private sector, whatever, there's an, a series of initiation tests you have to pass the higher up you go, Right. And one of them is your ability to commit a crime and to stab in the back the person closest to you, but to betray you. And it's part of the satanic ritual where in a part of the membership to get into the inner circle of the ninth circle or any of these satanic cults is you have to sacrifice your eldest child, uh, rape, torture, and then kill them in front of other people. And, um, I mean, for example, that's what Roman Polanski did, uh, the so-called Charles Manson killings. Really, it was Polanski and, and this Hollywood cult sacrificing his wife and a pregnant wife and pinning it on on Charlie Manson, who's just this low-life crook, right? Um, And it's what you do. We've had these reports from the Ninth Circle and all over Europe that that's part of the initiation. So you don't get into those positions of authority without playing the game. And when people said, oh, what about the present pope? He's saying saying some good things. The present pope himself was trafficking children in Argentina during the military junta there in the 70s. A common practice to take the children of political prisoners and then and then sell them 
uh, in league with a military government. They did this in Spain under Franco. The Catholic Church made billions of dollars that way. This got President Pope's blood all over his hands, but, I mean, he's a Jesuit. He's adept at, you know, creating an appearance, deception, and, um, you know, this is how anyone in authority has to act. So that's all the more reason for us, we the people, to do it ourselves, because even if you're an honest person, you don't last long in those systems of power if you are. They just don't let you because they can't trust you, right? Right. Well, that's what we've discovered is that, you know, going into this, you expect there would be, you know, okay, there might be people who are deviants and one or two here and there. But then after a couple of years of looking into it, you realize that no one gets to those halls of power without being corrupted first. And so That's right. that was the real, really stunning part, I think, for me. And it, and it's exactly what you said, that, that you know, you have to prove your loyalty. And we've, I've heard through numerous other sources exactly what you described is that, you know, you're required to commit these heinous acts um, uh, and children are, are always involved. Uh, so I, it just is so shocking to the conscience. One of the things we really struggle with, I think, that we saw also with the revelations about the Catholic Church and pedophilia is that people just can't process that. They can't imagine for the life of them people would do these things, especially the people that they trusted for so long. You know, so it's the... Don't forget that that one of the reasons they're able to, they act that way is that we're all in a state of of conditioning and brainwashing. Um, the, The very word, take the word pedophilia, for example. The word pedophilia in Greek means the friend of children. Uh, philia is one of the three right. Greek words for love. It means the love of a friend, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So when every time someone says the word pedophilia, it's saying these are friends of children. Right. They're when not. They're child, child killers. They kill their yeah. innocence. They kill their bodies. But we're neurolinguistically programmed to repeat the crime every time we use the word. So our language is held captive. And we have to find new words. We've got to speak from our heart and say what this really is. That's why, you know, in workshops, I always say to people, tell your own truth. Don't quote somebody else. Don't say what you think somebody might want you to say or what you've been told. Say your own truth with your own words. And that's part of uh, the mental breaking free that has to precede any of these other actions, right? Right. That's such a good point. That is such a good point. They're child rapists. I mean, that's that's... There's no other way to put yep. it, you know, if not spade spade. worse than that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and we, we'd say, you know, Trump, it, and it appears that he is doing good things, you know, putting out, trying to end this child trafficking and stuff. But, of course, I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust any politician in power. You know, they're all compromised. No. But I said this morning that, no, I can't stand Trump. But the alternative, which was Hillary and her cabal, was 100 times worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't vote for either one. Well, it, it's kind of like the alternative isn't in the system. The alternative is what we create ourselves, right? right. It, it's right. like we're going back to square one, and we're where we were in 1776 or before that, right? It's the same kind of autocracy and, and tyranny that, that people are living under now, even though it calls itself America. So it, it, I think many people know this now. We, you know, we're, we're preaching to the choir here. I think a lot of people agree with what we're saying. It's just a question of how. What do we do now, right? 
Right. Right. And, right. You know, and and I'm really good at researching and I, and and maintaining things, but I'm not good at figuring things out, solutions. But you two sure are. The well, I think you, you, you're underselling yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know, Evelyn. Just doing the show is so huge. Um, but I, you know, what you've laid out, Kevin, I think is sort of the roadmap that people have been looking for. And and also to your point, it empowers them. That's what that's been our goal. Like with Albert and my um, broadcast, you know, how do we how do we take that power back into our own hands? Because right. ultimately, right. again, you know, you look at Trump. He is doing some good things. I disagree with a lot of what he's doing, but tackling the child um, exploitation issue is first and foremost in I think uh, uh, the opinions of millions. And so we're glad for whatever he's doing. But in the end, he can't stop it by himself. And the only way to keep it, you know, once we do stop it, the only way to prevent it from starting again is to be empowered on the local level so that if that shit starts up again, you're in a position to, you know, end it before it gets out of hand again. Right. And, you know, the other thing we should recognize about um, the whole child, why it's getting so much coverage in the corporate media, the whole thing of child abuse now, is that it's what lawyers do. When you're getting close to an issue, they flood you with it's they create a paper trail. Right. They fog the issue by over just, uh, you know, in the movies where uh, this struggling lawyer gets delivered tons of, of paper from the other side that he has to wade through before court the next day. Right. It's a way you bury the evidence with a lot of BS. Right. Yeah. And um, when when you're getting close to something, you find this. We find that we're suddenly deluged. And so after a while, people don't know what the tr- is, what's the truth and what isn't. And so um, the the claim of that somebody is is. Uh, like the thing you have now where all these women are coming forward accusing politicians of, of, of sexually assaulting them and that. I'm not saying those things aren't true, but they're used politically all the time. So right. Republicans use it against Democrats. Democrats use it against Republicans. What is true, what isn't? After a while, people just throw up their hands as they're meant to and, and, and say, I don't even want to think about the issue. So it, it, we have to stay close to what the evidence tells us, what the people on the ground tell us, the victims tell us. That's what I go by, right? And that's why we've been so successful. We stick to the hard evidence all the time, right? Right, right. Now, yeah. now on, on your verdicts, now, if the Pope and, and different ones that were convicted, if they go in certain countries, they could be arrested? Oh, yeah. There's uh, Spain, for one, um, and there's other countries uh, in the uh, outside the Western Bloc who have said the same thing. That that the, uh, I remember Vladimir Putin and because he's not a Catholic, of course, they're Orthodox, which is a different brand of the church. But uh, he and other uh, leaders in the East have said that uh, the Catholic Church is not above criminal prosecution, which no Western politician would ever say. Uh, you know, so that kind of thing. There, there's there's we get that from a number of different places. You know. Well, tell us a little bit. I was listening to your interview last time, and you talked about George Soros. And, and of course, you know, we know he's a horrible human being, um, but that he participated in these hunting parties and stuff too, right? That's according to Anne-Marie von Bienberg. Uh George Soros was seen at one of these uh, 
uh, more recent one, I think it was around 2007 or 8, was the last one she went to. Now, she was there, just to explain for listeners, she was entrapped, and this is how they, they often hold these events. They tell politicians it's one thing, and then the politician shows up, and they find children being harmed, and then they're they're compromised Already, and blackmailed yeah. and controlled uh, by Drangheta. That's how the mob controls uh you know, politicians, judges, and that. Anne Marie was a top lawyer working in the Brussels uh, in the Justice Department. She she didn't know she was married to a member of. They call it the Octopus in the Netherlands. It's Drangheta. It's the European Mafia, and um, they uh, they trapped her. She went to these things, and she saw Soros there. She because he was friends with the Dutch royal family, um, and uh, and people probably know he's also the main. Uh, he's to uh, the Democrats what the Koch brothers are to the Republicans. He's the big backer financially of Hillary Clinton and that. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I when I make those statements too, I'm not coming down politically on one side or the other because this is bigger than politics. It's like, in the same way, it's, this is bigger than religion. It's it's goes to the core of who we are as human beings, right? And we we need to be united across these these artificial divisions they create between ourselves, right, to keep us divided. And where is Anna now, this lawyer? Or is that what you Anne said? Anne-Marie, yeah. Anne-Marie van Bienberg is living in hiding uh, somewhere in Europe, not in the Netherlands anymore. It's like a lot of our witnesses had to relocate. Um, yeah. And wow. uh, she's, as far as I know, still alive. Although uh, Marcel van Versolem was a uh, another Netherlands uh, activist. He died recently in a hospital. He had been thrown in prison because he actually named the members of the Dutch and, and uh, uh, Belgian government, uh, prime ministers and other top judges who were involved in the in the Ninth Circle. And, um, you know, I, it's it's same old story. For in these, um, the Netherlands was where I first discovered that some of the really big money with child porn was snuff films and that the Netherlands mm-hmm is a sort of a central place where that stuff is produced. Is that something you encountered? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, snuff films are made all over the world. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest markets for it is the Pacific Rim. Um, British Columbia, Seattle, uh, Bangkok, Beijing, Hong Kong, that's kind of a whole network, major snuff film operations, including in Latin America, like Basically, wherever there's a war, wherever you can get children or people cheaply and they can go missing and nobody cares, that's where you'll see snuff right. films produced. I remember I uh, worked with a man in the States. I won't say where or who he is, but uh, he was uh, kidnapped by some people once, and they showed him these snuff films. It was filmed uh, somewhere in the jungle with mountains. He thought it was like Guatemala or El Salvador or something. And he was watching as people were being chopped to death with machetes. And these were not f- fake films, he saw flies moving on the eyeballs, the unblinking eyes of these people, so he knew they were genuine corpses. These were women and children being chopped to death on film. And so it it, it happens all over the place, but in terms of the Netherlands and Belgium, there's a long history there, because it's in Europe. It goes back thousands of years, really, um, to Rome and elsewhere, but um, the Dutch and Belgian royal families have been heavily implicated I don't know, here's one of the missing pieces of history that were erased from our, our cultural memory. But around 1900, the king of Belgium, King 
Leopold owned all these rubber plantations in the Congo. And they killed about 15 to 20 million people in the space of five years because they ordered every uh, Nigerian to produce a certain, or not Nigerian, but uh, people in that area, the Central Africa, Congo. Every family had to bring in a certain amount of rubber every every day. And if they didn't, they'd lose an arm, they'd lose a head. I mean, they were slaughtered en masse. And apparently, when you read the accounts of this, the the... the there were members of the Dutch and Belgian royal families going to these slaughter sites and taking part in it and, and, and involved in cannibalistic and ritualistic activities, which are the same things being described in the Ninth Circle. So there's a very dark history there um, in the Lorraine Club in, in Brussels. It's one of the hangouts of the Ninth Circle. And every top European military guy, politician, uh, business person, they're all members of this Lorraine Club, and it's openly talked about there. That's the amazing thing you realize is how open they are about it. And yet, you know, it, it's kind of like the elephant yet in the living room. Knows. Nobody really wants to look at it, right? Right. What do you find out, Kevin? Do you know anything about, um, have you tied in Jeffrey Epstein to any of this child trafficking when you're investigating? Well, you, not. You know who I'm not, talking about, right? Kevin? Hello? For media, right? And oh, um, when someone like that, I'm not, when somebody like openly targeted by the system, you know, well, if he was really close to the source of these things, why would the system be naming him? Because the people really doing it who are high up are never named. You never know who they are. You never hear about them. So that's the first question I have. When they, when they do a shark attack on one public character like that, well, he, he has been thrown to the wolves by the other members of the elite for some reason. Um, that's the first thing you have to ask, right? Yeah, well, I don't know if he could help be thrown to the wolves. I mean, they saved him by, you yeah, know, he letting him off with that little bit of sentence and everything, but, but they had such a case against him. I mean, until they the did. feds took it over and made it sound like they were going to, you know, get him for child trafficking and everything. Well, the feds took it over and gave him that light sentence, but the, the police down in, in Florida were mad as hell, man, because they had wonderful case against this guy right they did and well the reason they never let it go far is because it might lead to somebody else it's so like exactly. one case in america where uh, there was one case in in american courts where a catholic official higher than a priest was brought to trial for harming children it was uh, monsignor uh, william lynn in philadelphia a number of years ago and the the uh the DA wanted to uh, name the Pope as an accessory because the Cardinal was simply enacting the papal law that I mentioned, the Crimin Solicitanus, an order right from the Pope that orders child trafficking and, and abuse and murder to be covered up. The the uh, court knocked that out. So they, they buffered Rome, they protected the Pope from being named, and they simply charged uh, Lynn with obstructing justice. He was out in 18 months. They slap the wrist of the officials, and they target the lower guys. And that's that way they protect the higher-ups. And they, every court does it, right? Every government does it. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, if you've seen that black book of Jeffrey Epstein's, you know, because it was his house manager that stole that black book, you know, and turned it in. Well, he tried to sell it at first, right. I guess. <laughs> but um, the names in that black book, I mean, about every CEO and big CEO and world leaders and stuff in that black book. Yeah. It's yeah. the map of the leaders of this global, you know, child trafficking. 
Yeah, it's it, at that level of power, it's so corrupt. Uh, I remember talking once to a media, a really um, uh, prominent media broadcaster in Vancouver, Canada. His name was Jack Webster, and he was mainstream. Everybody knew him. Uh, and I remember once he mentioned to a friend of mine, they were having a drink, and he said, Jack Webster was saying, you know, he was talking about the Vancouver Club where these kids are trafficked, and he said, I can tell you the politicians who are trafficking children, I can tell you their names, and they pass children around like they're an old bottle of wine, and there's not yeah. a, a thing you and I can ever do about it, because they're too protected. And that's how these elites operate. They do not have a soul. They don't have a conscience, right? It doesn't matter right. to them mm-hmm. that these they things happen. So, uh, you know. Well, that's what uh, I talked about, too, in ending it. How do we stop it? These people are addicted to that blood and eating babies and stuff. Well, you know, there's three things that the powerful are afraid of. And I talk about this not only in the common law training manual, but I've done a whistleblower's manual called Truth Teller Shield. And it gives you a lot of tips about how to navigate these battles. That's another book I'll send you, you guys. But um, uh, there's three things an institution worries about. Their public image, their money, and their legal protection. You go after one, if not all three, and they'll fold. It doesn't matter how big they are. They go on the defensive. Even if, even if you're one person, you can make them start responding by attacking one of those three things. You don't make moral appeals. You don't um, try to right. get them to reason. You go after their money, their public image, and their legal protection. And that's why this Operation Atonement is targeting all those things, uh, you know, by going after the tax-exempt status of these criminal churches and that. Um even creating the pressure on politicians to do that, the politicians look bad because they're protecting organized child traffickers. And we have tremendous power as people. We just have to exert it. But remember, target those three things at all times. Well, then one thing we are definitely doing well is I, and that I love seeing in the truther community here is that whenever one of these guys uh, does something on social media where they try and, you know, pretend that they're the victim or something along those lines, they get completely slaughtered. And and people remind everyone every single day what crooks and horrible people they are, which I I think it needs to be said over and over and over and over again so that people don't forget. And, you know, I think we get lulled back to sleep otherwise. And so it's nice to see there's there, there is a lot of very heavy and constant pressure in that regard. And, and, and Donald Trump froze the assets of a lot of the key players globally who are billionaires, which is, um, went after their money. So that was good. I mean, unfortunately, the CIA and FBI and those guys still have access to all their resources, but it's a start. And then the legal stuff, like that that's the common law approach that you're talking about, right, Kevin? Well, it's legal, but it's also very political, very spiritual, because it's it's getting people to take back their own minds, hearts, and, and lives. And that's a big step to, for a lot of people to take, because we've been raised in a culture of slavery. Yeah. And... Um, you know, like the the reason people at Lexington and Concord were able to pick up guns and start pot shooting at the b- b- biggest empire in the world was because they were already living free. They were living on their own land. Um, they were self-governing communities, but that's not the situation in America. We're raised in a culture of slavery and dependency and fear. And 
at first when you do this work, you realize there's not a lot of us doing it. But that's okay because I remember a great quote from Sam Adams. He said, it doesn't take a majority to win. Merely a tireless minority determined to light brush fires of freedom in the, in the minds of men and women. And that's, that's exactly right. what we're doing. You light the brush fires in people's minds and then one day it'll click in and more will take action. But we have to realize that we're that tireless minority right now and we search for people like us. We can't get discouraged when the majority of people act in fear. They will, right? Even when we're successful, they'll still hold back. I found that. But look at the power a few of us had in, in re making a Pope step down or making Canada admit genocide, which we did in 2008. So it works, right? But we we got to be determined and never stop. That's that's our power. What yeah. did you think, Kevin, about uh, the Pope's latest move down there in Chile, blaming the victims? Uh -huh. <laughs> How was that? Oh my God! You heard what you heard what happened. The Mapuche Indians have been burning down Catholic churches, right. and the reason that is is the Catholic Church has stolen over two million acres of their land, and they're using these churches as the places to operate from to do this. So. They haven't killed anybody. They've just simply said, you've got to get off our land now. And yeah. the, the Bergoglio, the Pope, flew down there in a panic, and he lost his cool. He started screaming at protesters who had occupied Catholic churches and that. Um, he knows his own personal guilt. As I mentioned, when he was in Argentina, he has blood on his hands. Um, he's a member of the Ninth Circle, that whole bit. So he's worried about this stuff coming out because people are beginning to fight back now. Even in this, it's like Ireland. Chile was supposed to be one of the most loyal Catholic countries in the world. Well, think again, right? Right. That's actually You can't get any lower than that, calling them sexually abused yeah. victims liars. Oh, that's the lowest he's gone as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's really well, shocking. It gets, oh, yeah. But, you know, my no. song will start playing here any minute, so there it is. I want to thank you both. You are both such heroes. You come out here and you both put your lights on the line every day. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Screaming on a ladder